You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the MLB Extras Braves podcast. Along with Mark Bowman, I am Tim McMaster. We are getting you ready for 2019 spring training. Pitchers and catchers reporting in less than a week. Hard to believe, Mark. It's time to get things going down in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. Uh, We're going to continue our positional previews here this week, talking about this Braves bullpen as it gets ready for 2019. Uh, But before we get to that, it's time to kind of close the door on one of the big storylines of this offseason and that is JT Real Muto. As we record this podcast, it seems pretty clear that Real Muto is headed to the city of brotherly love, to the Phillies. So he will stay in the National League East, but it won't be with the Braves. It'll be with the Phillies. How does this impact the Braves, Mark? I know you consider them kind of on the outside for most of this go, uh, and now it's official that he won't be a Brave. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you go back to the beginning of the offseason, you thought, you know, it's a yeah, – uh, a distinct possibility that he would have ended up with Atlanta. I do think that they had the, the best prospect capital. Um, I, I think that at the end of the day, the Marlins were looking for an everyday player. Uh, the Braves were not willing to, you know, part ways with Ozzie Albies. Uh, with this deal, it looks like they're going to to get an everyday player, not only get an everyday player or uh, uh, not an everyday player, I think, guy with major league experience, but somebody to fill room with those hole there with, without Faro. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, we've talked about it many times. You go back to December and, and uh, when I reported that the Braves met with the Marlins during the winter meetings, they walked away from that saying that he is no longer our focus. And, you know, other than maybe occasionally calling and saying, has the cost dropped or, you know, maybe even the Marlins calling the Braves and, and, saying, you know, is there any interest in re-engaging? Uh, that, that's all that, that occurred over the last six weeks between those two teams. Um, I, I think that at the end of the day, it, it, it seemed like that the right move for the Braves. But by the end of November, they had signed Brian McCann. Uh, it's a $2 million deal. Um, Tyler Flowers' deal was also, you know, uh, his salary is looking at $4 million there. That's certainly – something you can work with as well. Uh, the Braves were open to, to possibly, you know, altering that plan that was made once they signed uh, McCann. But whatever happened there at the winter meetings, uh, whatever uh, was said, they walked away saying that a deal is not going to happen. And they stuck to that. And so I, I don't think it necessarily changes anything, any of the thought process over the last six weeks. But if we go back to November and as recently as mid-December, um, yeah, it was a possibility. You don't necessarily like to see him go to another division rival, especially one like the Phillies, uh, a team that, is, you know, does this lead to the possibility of Harper signing with them or, you know, you know, is Machado still on the on the board for them? You know exactly what that, you know, where else the Phillies could go. But at the same time, I think all along the most important thing Alex or Alex and Thoughts' focus was – I'm going to you know, do everything I can to win this year without 
jeopardizing what can happen from 2020 through 2023, 24, however you look at it. So, um, you know, the Braves spent three years through going through a painful rebuild. Um, the benefits are there. What, what happened last summer was great just to see them ahead of schedule, but you don't want to alter that plan just to, in response to, you know, maybe overachieving last year while you know, a few of your division rivals underachieved. Uh, and also you don't necessarily want to react to what your division rivals are doing just for one year when you know that you can be, you know, make you can make your team even that much stronger for 2020 and beyond. It doesn't mean they're punting this season away. It's just you don't put all your chips in for 2019 at the uh, and forsake what could happen in the years that follow. Yeah, certainly. All right, let's move on to that bullpen now, Mark. And um, it's an interesting group. Let's start with the closer position and we'll move our way back. It seems like when you look at it on paper, there's kind of two directions the Braves could go as far as the closer role goes. You have a Rodas Chapman. Save 16 of 18 in 2018. He's a guy that's done it. You have A.J. Minter as well. Um, what do you think the Braves would like to see come out of spring training between those two? Well, with this guy, you know, you're, you're looking at a guy who, can, can he do the job? Yeah, he's proven he can do the job. Is his shoulder going to be durable enough, enough for the entire season? We don't know. Based on what we saw last year, he he handled the, the role. Uh quite capably through those first two and a half months. Shoulders started bothering him. We didn't see him again until September in the postseason. He's You could use him, you could carry him uh, in September in the postseason because you didn't have to, you know, you've got an expanded roster. You've got plenty of relievers to use. Uh, it's not like using him two days in a row is going to leave you shorthanded. Um, so all of a sudden for the next two or three days or, you know, maybe aggravate that shoulder, uh, you get to the postseason, the schedule is never – Never playing more than two days in a row. Now, I don't think you know. I don't think spring training, you know, the schedule, the workload, gives you uh, that opportunity to know exactly how he's going to perform during the season. All indications are he's healthy. Uh, it's just how much is left with that shoulder. The MRIs have not shown any structural damage, but at the same time, you know, injuries have bothered him throughout his career, and so if. If he's not that guy that you can rely on, you got to use him as, you know, seventh, eighth inning guy. I, I think at the end of the day, A.J. Menard's going to end up getting the most safe opportunities with this team, uh, which we saw what, what he could do. He got a taste of it last summer. He struggled, uh, started struggling there in mid to late August after, as he was dealing with a sore lower back. Um, you know, he's a guy that's going through his first full season. He had, we saw what kind of swing and miss stuff he had in 2017 when he came up late in the season. We didn't necessarily see those, you know, that, that, those strikeout numbers. He didn't match that last year and didn't really even come close to it. But as the season progressed, you saw him improve. He wasn't, he, he looks back at the beginning of last year and says he was trying to be too fine around the corners. And, um, you know, the other part of it is he, he needs to develop another, an off speed pitch, a, a different look. Uh, and we started to see a change up there uh, in September. I think that's, you know, he has the mindset. He has the stuff. I think he's going to get the opportunity this year. We'll, we'll get a sense for of whether he's that guy uh, uh, to be the closer to the future or, you know, maybe a guy like Chad Sabak, a guy who, who burst on the scene uh, last year and has incredible stuff. You know, he's got the 
the plus fastball and plus slider. Uh, if he continues to throw strikes, uh, he and Mentor and a few other uh, power arms uh, could give the Braves a formidable bullpen for many years to come. Sabaco is the other guy I was going to get to. Um, seems like just not ready maybe for the closer role, but you can definitely, you mentioned the stuff, you can envision his stuff in the ninth inning, no question. No no doubt. He 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 created that wow factor when he came up last year. It's not just that he's throwing, uh, you know, 96, 97. It, it was that slider, uh, just the, the mix, the poise he showed. Uh, the late in the season, he his, his stuff – um, seemed to be even better. He got a taste of the postseason last year. You know, just, just that experience, you know, he's only got 14 career appearances, so he's not quite ready to be thrown into that role right right away. But if at some point this year they need a guy and he's conti- he's still impressing like he did last year, I think you could put him in that role. All right, moving down the list a little bit, you get to um, key addition late last year that – that maybe his best days as a reliever are behind him, Mark, and Darren O'Day, but he's always been just a great clubhouse guy, a guy that keeps things loose, brings teams together, maybe call him a glue guy, um, and he's there as well. Um, is he set to definitely have a spot on this roster um, at his age because of what he can bring, or what is his situation going into the spring? Because he could certainly help those young guys out. No doubt, no doubt. He's, he's going to be uh, in that bullpen, you know, health willing. Uh, he'll, he'll be in there at the beginning of the season, like you said. He's a guy that can keep things loose, provide guidance down there to uh, to what still, you know, there's a, a lot of young relievers out there. So um, I think he, he's been through the, the wars. Um, he, he's not that all-star reliever that he was at one point this decade. But, uh, you know, being a healthy Darren O'Day, uh, helps bridge that gap, you know, get, get through that sixth, seventh innings, uh, get, get to, you know, this guy, you know, mentor Sabaka, um, another guy that, that I'd say keep an eye on is Jacob Webb. Um, you've got there, there. I talked to a colleague earlier today or yesterday, I think it was, but uh, talking about how concerned they were about the brace. Well, but I get it. You know, it, it's not, it's, it's not an established group, but at the same time, it is an extremely talented one, uh, one that's going to get better as you, they start to put some of their prospects in there, determining whether Max Freed can be a reliever. Or, like I said, Jacob Webb's a guy that, that has a chance to make a rise like Chad Sabaka did this year. So uh, looking forward to seeing exactly how this all develops this year. You mentioned all the young guys, the prospects on the way, Max Freed being one of them that's pitched out of the bullpen. A lot of these guys, Mark, are guys who came up through the minor leagues as starters. I mean, is Max Fried, have they given up on him as starter, or is he a guy that'll do both? Well, I think he could do either. You know, I think that it was very impressive to see what he did late last year uh, when he knew that he was not going to be starting anymore uh, to, to move into that relief role and go from a guy who was throwing 92, 93, he's throwing 95, 96. Um, I, I think he'll come to camp and he'll be – Labeled as a fifth starter candidate, uh, you know he'll be in that mix to 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 continue to. We, we've talked about how they may use that rotation where it is just, it's essentially a six man rotation where you know you've got some of the guys that, that still have options going back and forth from Gwinnett to Atlanta. He'll be in that mix, but at the same time, if you see that Mike Soroka is healthy and Kyle Wright is ready and 
Luis Gohara, he, he's kind of along the same lines with, with Freed. He could fit either the the bullpen or the rotation. I think you know with Freed and Gohara, it's a it's a it's a need basis. Where would it be best to utilize them? And I think we'll we'll get a sense of where both of them stand during sprint training. Uh, Gohara's lost 40, 40 pounds or or maybe even more. Uh, if you go back to the beginning of spring training last year, um, and we all know what he did at the end of the 2017 season as well. So if, if he's back to, to that form, that, that's another uh, arm that, that can benefit that pitching staff, you know, whether it's as a reliever or as a starter. All right, one more guy I want to talk about, and that is Johnny Venters, the great story coming back to, from all those Tommy John surgeries, the lefty, and then he gets to return last year to the place where it all started in Atlanta. Um, he seems to have put the surgeries behind him. Is he the go-to lefty specialist? Well, I, you know, I, that's the good thing about Johnny is, is you don't necessarily have to use him as a specialist. He can get lefties and righties out. He always has been able to. Uh, Brian McCann was talking about him a couple of weeks ago, uh, just how that the, that bowling ball sinker is still there. Um, you know, a, a guy that has had all these surgeries and, and still throwing there. Um, in the mid nineties, he's not the Johnny Venters that, that we saw 2010 through 12 when he, you know, at times could have been considered, you know, the game's most, uh, maybe intimidating or, or effective, uh, reliever, but at the same time, um, you know, it, it, it's quite impressive to see what he's done. He's a guy that, that, uh, also brings up, you know, very, some valuable experience out there to the pen and, um, you know, as long as he stays healthy, he will be an asset for the Braves this year. All right. It's certainly an interesting bullpen. You mentioned it, that, that there are some concerns, but the stuff is there among these guys to be very effective. And we may look back on this 2019 Braves bullpen a lot more fondly than we kind of look ahead to it here before the season starts. You can follow Mark on Twitter at MLB Bowman. My handle is MLB underscore McMaster. You can find all our club podcasts at MLB.com backslash podcast, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play as well. That'll do it for this edition of the MLB Extras Braves podcast. For Mark Bowman, I'm Tim McMaster. Thank you for listening. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Championship team.